From the town of Detroit where my job is secure, yeah. Securing the fact now that it's gone for good, yeah. So I'll scrimp and I'll scrape at this pension I saved. So it should be gone by the end of the day. Yeah, the power's out. Is there no way to say? Yeah, the power's out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Shamrock Show, episode 14 in the studio for the first time in 2020. Happy to be here. Great to meet you, man. This is Ryan Thompson, man. He's kind of a, a local legend urban legend <laughs> yeah it's got a crazy story to tell you guys today first out i gotta shout out my sponsors proper 12 whiskey it's connor's fight week man nice. thanks for the support We're rooting for connor to come through on saturday night and shout out to the law offices of uh scott commissar and stephen wreck they're out of north stonington personal injury lawyers great guys man if you ever need anything hit them up or hit me up i'll put you in touch with them so ryan man i i've known your name for a long time yeah since 1998, I guess, yep. and it's the first time I've got to meet you. Um, kind of cool that uh, the way things happen. I know your sister, and yeah. then you knew Robbie. Yes. No relation, Tom. No relation. I got no family out this way. <laughs> That's a, a common question that yeah. I've got is that you guys were related, but um, yeah, no. I know that you guys met at, at one point. He spoke really highly of you. Yeah, he's good. It's kind of cool when we started texting that you knew that you know that he was my boy, and it's yep. kind of why you've come here. Yeah, I man, think absolutely. too. Um, so without further ado, I kind of want to just get into your story. You okay. just came home from a 21-year bid in jail. 21 years locked up. I came home on parole. In March? Uh, March 1st. And then finally just home, home in August. And finally left the halfway house I was at August 2nd. So that was freedom, freedom. Right. So <laughs> the August 2019 was freedom. Yeah. Let's go back to... 1998. 1998. Why don't you just go with it, man? All right. It was, uh, I was about to enlist in the Marine Corps. So, you how know, old were you? I was 18 at the time. Okay. So, this was going to be like my last little party and start cleaning up a little bit, yeah. quit smoking cigarettes so I can run, uh, working out with the uh, recruiter and everything. A buddy of mine was actually enlisting as well. So, um, so we found out there was going to be a party that night from a girl who worked at my parents' video store. And for you young people, we used to rent movies. So I'm going to sidetrack. Your parents had a video store? Because yeah. that was like part of where I was going to go later was yeah. like in 1998, you know, I worked at a Blockbuster yeah. in 2000. Like yeah. you come home to Netflix. So like everything's your, on Netflix Your now. parents had a video store? They owned a video store back then, yeah. Where, in Plainfield? So, right in the big Y Plaza in Plainfield, Connecticut. No shit. What was yeah. it called? Uh, Movie Express. That's wild, man. So that talk, was my first talk job. Talk about a, an industry with a change in life. Oh, huh? yeah, yeah, definitely. So it, it didn't pay well at the time, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, it did all right. But uh, I had gone there on April 18th, and a girl that had worked there had told me that this kid, Ron Harden, was having a party that night and that we should go. So, you know, spread it around to a bunch of friends, and uh, we decided we're all going to head up there. And uh, just typical, it was a spring day. It was beautiful out. I remember I watched a girl's car that I was seeing – uh, just beautiful weather. It's like 
everything in the atmosphere was awesome. Yeah. You know that feeling back then. Yeah, and man. You're like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. So you're drinking, you're smoking weed, just chilling, having a good time, got the music blasting. Yeah. And uh, so later on that day, we decided to head up to the Kid Ron's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where this party was at. And, uh, you know, everything was regular, nothing out of the norm. Um, myself, Dave Stebbins, Jared Gilkinson, Rob Como, and Brandy Stebbins all decided to head up. So I drove her car as a purple Chevy Cavalier at the time. Yeah. And uh, standard. So that plays a part down the road. But okay. um, so uh, just went in. Everything was normal. Everybody's getting along. People were dancing. There's probably total in and out 100 and something people at this place. So it was packed. And uh, just everything was good. We had a good time. And then a uh, friend, friend of mine at the time, Jared, came in to let me know that the kid Dave had gotten into an altercation. Yeah. So I had a pair of nunchucks on my wall that I didn't know Jared had taken off when I went home to take a shower. We just scooped those at Jewish City Flea so Market. So Jewish City Flea Market. Hell yeah. They're $20. Hell clear. yeah. Second for clear ones. <laughs> yeah. I had those. Yeah. Second so, for, That's wild, man. So I didn't know he had shoved them down his pants. Yeah. And they ended up getting broken. And Jared had come in, and we had been at the party already for probably a couple hours. Yeah. And uh, there was a little tension because of a girl that I had dated. And typical then, high school party. Yeah, yeah, typical a high, school high school party, party yeah. you know, and it house was different. Parties. The way Plainfield and Moose Up is, it's kind of clicked up different. So it's right. like Plainfield and Jewish City. Well, that's right. I, so I'm so, from Jewish City, but yeah. Griswold and Jewish City were like... Different. We went to the same yeah. high school, but like the Jewish city kids, like us, were kind of yep. looked at a little differently than the yeah. gr- the Griswold kids. And same thing, right? Moose up Plainfield. Yeah, Moose up in Plainfield, and like I'm the type of dude where I got along with everybody. I dressed as, you know, hip hop style back then, so same. the baggy yeah. clothes, yeah. gaudy jewelry, all that crap, you yeah. know. And it didn't matter. I could go to Danielson, get along with everybody. Jewish city, Griswold, like everybody liked me. I was a, just a funny clown, yeah, having a fun type of guy. So, um, uh, Jared had come in and told us that Dave was getting into an altercation with another kid there, Matt, and that they wanted him out of there and we had to bring him home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, said, all right, said, we'll be back. My ex-girlfriend was still there. So we said, we'd give her a ride home. She didn't want to walk and everything. So yeah. Brandy and I went and dropped Dave off, Dave and Jared. And then on our way back to the party, this car hooks around, comes up behind us and gets on our ass. So I tell Brandy, pull the car over. I jump out of the car and like five kids jump out and they're like, yo, where's Stebbins at? We're gonna kill him. Yeah. And like, what are you talking about? Said he just shot Rob. So when you hear about a shooting out here, it's not like Bridgeport, New right, right, Hartford. Right. Shootings don't happen out right, here. Right, that's why it was such a big deal to yeah. me as someone who didn't know you in the next town over, like reading about this. Yeah. Because at that time, like me and my friends, like a Friday night, dude, would yeah. be just piling in the car yeah. and going to the Plainfield bowling alley and getting scraps. Yeah, dude. you so know, it was just kinda... go to McDonald's. McDonald's. I broke my wrist or... in a fight in the, in the <laughs> McDonald's at bowling. I mean, uh, McDonald's yeah. parking lot in Plainfield. Uh, you hear about a shooting, you're like, yeah, right, right, so, right. And then they're like, where's Dave lived? And I said, I'm not telling you where the dude lives. So they're like, you know, kind of bad mouth and talking shit to me a little bit. But then they got in the car and left, and that was that. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, right. There's no way. Right. So. Brandy and I keep going back to pick these guys up and go to the party and pull into the gas station because I had to take a piss. So I pissed on the dumpster out back. Yeah. And I see a kid I know who actually just got arrested, Eric Terwilliger. He I, was just in the paper. And, uh, I, I didn't know that, but I, I know who that is yeah. from those fighting in the Plainfield bowling yeah. alley days. Yep. Yeah, Twiggy, they call yeah, him. Yeah, Twiggy. Had, so, he had this truck with fog lights on the yeah, top. Yeah, so then. he was back in 98. He had a pickup truck back then. He was pumping gas, and he's like, yo, Rye, what up? I'm like, hey, what up? Hold up. I'll talk to you in a minute. So yeah. 
So after I'm done pissing, I go over, talk to him. He's like, yo, there's fire trucks, there's ambulances, there's cops everywhere. It's crazy. So we're thinking, holy shit, something really did happen. Yeah. So he's like, all right, dude, I got to go. I just got out of work or whatever he did. Yeah. And he bounced. So we head back down. It's a one-way in Moose Up and a one-way out. Okay. So we go down the one-way, we hook around, and then we come back to where the party's at and park in front of a bar. It's called the Hangout back in the day. Okay. So I get out of the car, walking up, and my buddy Rob, who went to the party with me, he's like, yo, Rye, you should get up out of here, man. They think Dave did this. I'm like, nah, they just brought the dude home. Right. He's like, dude, you should leave. I'm like, nah, fuck that. I ain't going nowhere. Right. So I'm drunk, you know, so I'm kind of like, whatever. Right. And the kid that had the party, Ron Harden, was making a statement to the cops in the cop car, and he starts pointing at me. So I walk up to the cop car, and I'm like, what are you pointing at, dude? Yeah. And he's like, he knows who did it. His boy did it. And I'm like, listen, none of us had anything to do with this. What are you talking about? So he's like, talk to him, man. His boy did this shit. Mm -hmm. So the cop's like, get out of here. Get away from the car. I'll talk to you later. So I walk away, and he starts pointing again. So me being drunk, I walk over, and I'm like, what the fuck are you pointing at, dude? Right, right. You know? And he's like, his boy did it. His boy this and that. And I'm like, my boy didn't do nothing. I just drove him home. So the cop tells me again, get out of here. So a cop that lives in my neighborhood, he's like, Ryan, you need to go home. And I'm like, nah, there's a hundred other people out here. You can't tell me to go home. Right. So I'm being argumentative. I'm being an idiot, straight right. up. I mean, you're a drunk teenager. Yeah. So he says, if you don't get out of here, you're getting arrested. So I'm like, nah, fuck that. I'm not getting out of here. And I'm slammed against the VFW and arrested. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like, okay, whatever. I'll be out of here. You know, but people saw me get arrested for that. They thought I was getting arrested for the murder. And I didn't realize that until later on. Okay. So people are like starting to say, oh my God, Ryan shot Rob because I got arrested for disorderly conduct. So it all went from Dave Stebbins shot him to Ryan Thompson shot him. And that's how that whole thing morphed that way and why the police started coming after me. So initially go to Plainfield uh, Police Station. They book me for disorderly conduct, breach of peace. And they give me a promise to appear. Yeah. So then the major crimes detectives come in, and the Plainfield cops were real cool to me. You know, I was the dick to them. They were really cool to me. Yeah. Then major crimes comes in, and they start saying, "Well, your boy this, your boy that," and I'm saying this guy didn't do anything. There were no guns in that car. Nobody had any weapons. That's that. All right. Okay, I want to hop in real quick. Yeah. So there was no guns in the there car. There were no guns in that car. Just because something I read online said yep. that the kid had pulled a gun earlier yep. in the night at the party. That didn't yep. happen. No, that didn't happen. Okay. There was a gun pulled out earlier at a different party. Okay. Which was just dry cock yeah. to get everybody out of the house. So that stemmed in to this kid saying he pulls out guns all the time. He didn't pull guns out all the time. Okay. It was one altercation. Yeah. And it was because people broke things in his house, and he's like, "Everybody get the fuck out of my house." Gotcha. So that got all spun. He right. wasn't pulling guns out all the time. Right, right. Blood on. Okay. So Major Crimes comes in, says, will you take a polygraph and a gunshot residue? So they explain it all to me. If you fired a gun, they said within the last two weeks, gunshot residue will show up on my hands. Yeah. So I says, yeah, do whatever. So they're looking at each other like, wow, this guy really submitted. So they swab my hands, put it in the bag. So then I say, well, what's up with the polygraph? Yeah. And they're like, what, we going to pull one out of our fucking pockets? And I'm like, listen, you guys threaten me with it. Like, I'm trying to cooperate here. So they start taking my statement. And they're like, nope, that's not what happened, Ryan. And I'm telling them, same thing I just told you. We went to the party, no altercations, no guns. They're like, that's not what happened. Who had the gun? And I'm like, nobody had a gun. There were nunchucks in that car. 
and that was the only weapon. So they refused to write the statement down. So they come back in, and they said, well, his family just decided to donate his organs. He's not going to make it because he was still alive at the time. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I was like, oh, man, oh, man. And I said, I'm going to find out who did this, and me and my boys are going to take care of it. You know, I did say that to them. Did you know, did you know that kid? I knew Rob. Yeah. We weren't tight, tight. Yeah. We rode four-wheelers together and stuff back in the day, and yeah. he was friends with the girl that I was kind of interested in gotcha. before. And uh, he was a, just an all-around good dude. Yeah. You know, smoked a little weed, partied like everybody else. Not a bad dude. So, you know, being drunk, I was like, I'm going to find out who did this, and we're going to take care of it. So they refused to write my statement down. And they're like, that's not what happened, this and that. And that's when I started getting like, hey, fuck you, motherfucker. They said this kid's dying or died in the hospital because of you. So that's when I started being like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. And swearing at them. And uh, according to them, I was uncontrollable from the beginning. So and my whole point is if I was so uncontrollable, why would you release me on a promise to appear when you think I'm a murder suspect? Right. You let me go and the police gave me a ride home that night. So... All that that I was so uncontrollable and you had to lock me back up and this and that, that's all bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's a picture that they painted to the media and at the beginning the media crucified me. The Norwich Bulletin, Hartford yeah. Current, yeah, they the went bull- by the bulletins what, of paper I got to my house. Yeah. That's where I would read everything on it. And I'm watching the news and I'm like, you know, people that I thought were my friends were saying negative things about me because they jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, reading the paper, watching the news and but so I'm thinking, okay, it's all going to be cleared up. Um, they released me that evening. Uh, that was April 18th. They raided my house the next night. My father, my parents came back. They were on vacation at the time. Okay. So oh, they came shit. back from vacation. I called them and I was like, hey, listen, this kid was shot at a party. They're trying to say that we we're involved. Yeah. So they came back from their vacation early. And uh, so there's a car parked across the street, one up the hill. So I knew they were cop cars, yeah. you know, and uh, I told my dad, I said, they're watching the house. He's like, no, that's just the neighbors having a party. Well, the party ended and the car was still sitting there. Yeah. So he's freaking out like, you better get all your weed and your bongs out of my <laughs> fucking house. And I'm like, dad, what am I going to do with it? They're watching. And it's it's minor things. It's paraphernalia. Right, right, right. But in the in the scheme of things at the time, it's like a bong, a two foot bong is a huge deal. Right. Well, your dad not knowing how the, yeah. the, the gravity of the situation. And, yeah. Yeah. And he's a military guy. Right. You know, he was 20 years military and a government worker. Right. And, so. and, and, and weed is not as casual as it is today. Yeah. Back then it was like, you know, yeah. big deal. Yeah. So. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to hide these bongs and my hockey skates in the garage and just like, you know, looking back, I'm like, who cared? It was fucking bongs, you know? But, um, so then the next day, uh, it was two days had gone by before I was arrested for the murder. So I'm sitting at, and my parents wake me up. Hey, Rye, come out. Brandy, Dave, and their mother was out in my living room. Just, you know, everybody was talking and everything. So I was supposed to go to Maryland that week. And I had told the police about it. I said, listen. I'm letting you know right now I'm supposed to go to Baltimore, Maryland for a week. And they're like, yeah, 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 go, go. And now I look back and I'm like, man, they want to make it look like I was fleeing right. and running. So thank God I still didn't go. But on April 20th, I just woke up, brushed my teeth, come out, grab a coffee, and swarms of cop cars just roll up to my house. Yeah. And I live on Maple Shade, which was, you know, a nice community. And you see cop cars swarming up and it's like a freaking movie, right. you know. So... Dave's mom starts freaking out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she grabs the phone like she wants to call her husband. So at this time, I had no idea 
that they were coming to arrest me. Yeah. Everybody was still, you know, I was getting phone calls saying that Dave did this. Did you guys have any involvement? And I'm like, no, no. Right. So they come to my door and they said, Ryan Thompson, we have a warrant for your arrest for murder. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? What do you mean? So they says, you got to come with us. And they got the handcuffs out. I said, can I grab my wallet and my cigarettes? And they're like, you're not going to need that where you're going. And Dave's sitting on my couch that whole time. I had no idea he made a false statement on me. Okay. So, so he had already given the statement at He that had point? given a statement, and that's why I was arrested, which I had no idea of these statements that were made. Okay. So I didn't even know about those until three days after I was arrested when my lawyer came to see me. And then, so I'm in Corrigan. First night, I'm in Troop D, and whatever. It, you know, it is what it is. They were trying to kind of bully me a little bit. You want yeah. to change your statement? I said, no, nah, there's nothing to change. Right. Nobody in this car did anything, and... You know, so said you guys whatever, and I'm thinking it's gonna be like the movies where the gunshot residue is gonna come back in 24 hours and everything's gonna clear me. And right. it's not like the movies. All that CSI and all that other stuff is bullshit. Yeah. So um, I end up going to Corrigan, and my attorney comes up, and a guy Arthur Meisler out of Vernon, and supposed to be a really good attorney, recommended, and um. So he's like, here, read these statements. So he hands me Dave's statements, Jared's, Brandy's, and Rob Como's. And I says, yeah, that's accurate. He's like, now here, read Dave and Jared's second statements. And I'm like, second? He's like, just read. Yeah. So I'm reading, and it says that I had brought a gun to the party, shoved it down my pant leg, and drove to the party to sell this gun. Yeah. And I'm like, that's bullshit. He's like, I know, keep reading, keep reading. He says, we're going to take care of this. And I'm reading this about how I jump out of a car, run in between the house, fire a shot, run back, and said, I think I hit somebody, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, how could somebody put their name on this, not knowing the circumstances of how all that came about? Right. You know? And uh, so that was like a knife in the back, just like, right, damn. Your boys. Oh, yeah. Like, Jared no, was like my little brother at the time. Those guys the same age as you? Uh, Jared's a little younger, Dave's a little older. Okay. So Dave and I were pretty close, and yeah. Jared ended up, he was like my little brother, yeah. you know? I hated the kid growing up, and then we got really tight. Like, he was my little brother, you know? So that was hard to read right. that. But, um, you know, I, later on, I found out the circumstances of how everything came about. Which was which is what? Basically, the cops went up there the day after the shooting and got their parents to jump on them and hammer them into making false statements. So they told them uh, one of the detectives got a cell phone call, and back then it was Motorola flip phones. Yeah. So got a cell phone call. And told the Gilkinson family, oh, he did, huh? Okay, yep. You want to change your statement now? Your boy just confessed. So they told them that I had confessed to the crime. Yeah. And they need to make statements against me or they're going to be charged with murder as well. So after their parents kind of bullied them and, uh, and got them to make the false statements, yeah. the damage was done. Now, the parents or someone's parents, I, I read online, yeah, have corroborated that, right? That, oh, yeah, that, yeah. That, yep. that they... That what you're saying is the truth. Yep, both, all, everybody yeah, they, said, hey. They thought that you had confessed and they were just trying to yeah. look out for their kids, yep. right? Like, why are these guys going to lie to us? So, right. And even Jared's father, he would come to visit me in prison for, yep. you know, towards the end of my sentence. And I never, you know, I went through a phase at the beginning because um, of their lifestyle at the time. And, mm. you know, not writing letters and little things like that mean a lot when you're locked up. Right. Mail, when you don't get that mail slid under your door, that's the shittiest feeling in the world. So I would get mad and say, you guys can't even pick up a pen and write a fucking letter. Right. You know, 
So that bothered me. And then some of the choices that they made, but um, I forgave them, you know? They were kids. They made a mistake, and I forgave them for what they did. Right. Well, that's what I was looking back at. So if you were 18 at the time, you said the other kid was a little bit younger than you. Yeah. He was 17 or 16 17, or something. Yeah. Drinking. Your parents, you know, you're oh, 17. Yeah. Your parents are Sleep saying. Sleep deprived for two days a day. Right. And your know? parents are saying to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I understand the circumstances. Granted, for me, nobody would ever get me right. to sign a false statement and because, implicate somebody for murder. Yeah. Just like they could threaten me. They could have offered me time served at the time, and I would have told them right here, right. you know, I would never plead guilty to something I didn't do. And that was a risk I took going to trial, looking at 60 years. What was trial like? Trial was, it was kind of like a circus. It was crazy because, you know, you see the things on TV, but then when you live it, you think you're going to be really nervous and everything. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know, I didn't realize it took two years to even get the trial. Oh, okay. So... My lawyer said he'd have me home. Can you hang tight for six months, Ryan? I says, yeah. Six months turns into a year. A year turns into two years. And come to find out, he ended up lying to me about the jacket that I was wearing not being tested, saying that the forensics lab, the micro, uh, there's an electron microscope that they use yep. to look for gunshot residue, any metals or anything. Yeah. Um, said that it was broken. So we believed them. You know, my family and I. Your, your lawyer said this. My lawyer said this. Okay. So... Two years goes by, I finally get the trial. And this lady, Virginia Maxwell, who was the forensic expert who tested the jacket, mm -hmm. said she had tested the jacket like six months earlier. So he told me it just got done being tested right before the trial. So this guy's lying to me about little things because either he wasn't prepared, come to find out he had mental health issues along other things. Okay. But um, So the jacket had been tested like six months prior. And I called him on it, and he's like, no, 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 she made a mistake. So there were little red flags. So he had six months to, to counter, you know, analyze or argue that and, and didn't? Is what is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So I could have gone to trial six months earlier. Oh, okay. And this evidence was out there six months earlier, and we could have had our own forensic expert. Right. You know, so they used – Henry Lee was the biggest guy in the state. Right, His right. name's coming under fire recently, which is great because he's a sham. Yeah. You know, the guy's a fraud. Now, he got famous from O.J., right? O.J. Simpson yeah. case, yeah. And – Come to find out, he's testified in over 8,000 trials throughout the world. And, you know, he put Sean Hennon in jail and Ricky Birch for murders they didn't even do testifying. They were just recently had their case flipped in the Supreme Court. Oh, really? 30 and 31 years they were incarcerated for. So, you know, this guy put his name on things. He testified in my trial about bullet trajectory, and we know that the bullet came from here, there, this, and that. Yeah. And basically he was a puppet, and they called him in just because of his name to help a conviction because it was a bullshit case and it helped their conviction um now i read a little bit about it but what what were the results of the gunpowder residue test on you they swabbed my hands were negative of gunshot residue yeah. they swabbed brandy's car negative of gunshot residue my jacket had particles consistent with gunshot residue was what they said right in order for you to have gunshot residue you need lead antimony and barium right those three components there was lead, antimony, tin, copper, zinc, and a bunch of other stuff. Right. There was no barium. But they said it was consistent with the Czechoslovakian ammunition from the 1920s, which they never even said if it was made in a 22 caliber. Yeah. It was just whatever they could try to say right. to say that these particles were consistent with gunshot residue, which was all lies. Right. So it had two of the three. Two of the three. But according to what I – so I was doing a little homework leading up yeah. to this. 
but there's a lot of other environmental oh, factors yeah. where like you could just that, DVDs, that. which my parents owned a video store. Those right. components are found in DVDs. Lead, um, solder, yeah. uh, and the jacket wasn't even mine. It was my brother-in-law's, who was a sonar technician on a submarine. Yeah, but other people in the car also tested all negative. All, all negative. All negative. Okay. Yep. So they try to say that there was lead components yeah. and whatever, but there was no gunshot residue, and they tried to lie. And, and, and you never, picture. and you never had an expert on your side. My lawyer said we wouldn't need one. Is that jacket still? Is that it's preserved? I, I, I know, I know. Is there certain things we can't get into? No, you can talk about that. It yeah. is all that so is preserved. Is, is that something to have been. that something <clears throat> that either you are, or you can have somebody look at now? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what the cost on that is or what kind of. The, in 2010, I went through an appeal in Rockville. And, and you won, right? I won my f direct appeal in 2001. Okay. The, well, so appellate... let's, let's hit that real quick because okay. I, I didn't know about that till recently, yep. and that's kind of crazy. So you yep. you had an appeal in 2001. My, when... my first direct appeal after conviction. And you won the And you... I won the appeal. Okay. And basically they said the case had no eyewitness testimony, no forensic evidence, and the case never should have went to trial. Yeah. And the state lied and said no your honors there was forensic evidence there's gunshot residue on mr thompson's jacket yeah. and uh they reversed the, the supreme court reversed it and i'm like how in the hell i have my, it was like a roller coaster ride of yeah. you know everything was so good they flipped the case and then right back so what happens when you appeal a case and you went you didn't get out of did you get out of jail no i could have made an appeal bond yeah. but usually appeal bonds are like one million dollars and Okay. Crazy bonds. So then the the state has their turn then to appeal the yep. appeal. So it's, it's a exactly. chess yep. game. They appealed it and they, they won. Okay. And 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 was there like a I, I don't know how this stuff was there was there like another trial that they won or did they just make a report <clears throat> into a judge and the judge made a decision or how did they how submit did briefs? Yep. So each attorney um they'll submit a brief yep. of what the issues are. The state can rebut it and counter brief that. Yep. And then it goes in front of the judges, which my lawyer would argue my case to the appellate court, Supreme Court. Um and then so I won in the appellate court, I was like, There's no way the Supreme Court's gonna shoot me down. Right. The case is clear cut. You can see that nobody in that car did anything. Yeah. And then they ended up gunning me down. We appealed it, we lost. So they said that there was forensic evidence on my jacket, gunshot residue. Okay. So that's 2001. That was about 2001, 2002. Okay. So, so three or four years later? Yeah. So just hit you with something. Like, so I was reading, there was one person who was considered an eyewitness, but he originally yeah. ID'd Stebbins. He, yeah, he initially said and that. And then somehow it became you. Th yeah. But then that person... Died he three died three years to the day? Three years to the day of the murder. Was he like, was there a correlation to that or was it coincidence? I don't, uh, we heard so many different things. Yeah. Um, people said he had a guilty conscience. People said, you know, there's a million things out there. We don't know. I also saw something when I was reading that somebody else put him in that bar that you were talking about mm -hmm. at the time of the shooting. Yeah, there was, there was different statements saying that he was in there and then left around that time. Um, okay. But all I can say, I don't know if the kid did it or not. Yeah. All I can say is he's a liar when he says he saw me running between two houses yeah. with something in my hands because I never had a weapon that night. Yeah. And I never got out of that car and ran between two houses. So he's a liar. You know, Ron Harden lied, said yeah. the same thing. And then. And that was the person who threw the party? That's the kid that had the party. Okay. So. 
Did he say that originally or no. not? Because I know you said you got back to the house. Nobody's first statement was ever you. mentioned my name at all. Right. It was only after the fact when the police came in and got people to make second and third statements is when people started saying my name. Right. But initially, nobody said anything bad about me. So that's why I was like, okay, there's no way I'll be convicted of this. Right. And, you know, my lawyer had committed suicide a year to the day of my sentencing. Really? One year to the day. I, See, I didn't know. I knew that he had committed suicide, but I didn't realize yeah. that it was like one also year to the day and in correlation with yeah dates in your that's that's kind of I didn't even realize the date at first. I saw it on the news and I called home and I said, "Did you see the fucking? Did you see the news?" And my parents were like, "Yeah, yeah, you know what today is, right?" And I'm like, "No." They're like, "It's a year to the day you're sentencing." And I'm like, God, you know, so that was sad to see because, yeah. you know, whatever he did as an attorney or failed to do as an attorney, he was a good guy. Yeah. And I was so pissed at him at first. And he came to me the day I lost trial. And, you know, I never in a million years thought I was going to lose trial. So yeah. I went to trial when I was initially charged it was for manslaughter. Then they upped it to murder. So yeah, what what made them do that? Because it seems <clears throat> like from reading everything, no no matter what happened or who did yeah. it, it, it kind of seemed like somebody shot. Like nobody was out to to, to assassinate yeah. this kid, right? Like it seemed like somebody kind of popped off in the yeah. whoever did it popped off in the air. This kid got hit. Yeah. Like how did how did it become murder? I don't know. I thought the Connecticut at the time. I think they're just trying to be tough on crime. Yeah. So they during after my trial. Um, so I'm charged with murder this whole time. Yeah. And they offered me a plea deal first year. First deal was 17 years. Yeah. And then I says, nope. Yeah. Second deal was about 12, mm -hmm. which I would have did about nine and a half on 12. Yeah. Now, if I'm guilty of this crime and I have two years in, I'm going to take that all day yeah. when I'm looking at 60. Right. So told my lawyer, I said, I fucking told you I'm not taking anything. He's like, okay, I know. I got to bring this to you. Right. We're going to trial. I'm like, okay. So I'll go through the whole trial. It's probably about a month and change. And, uh, so as the jury's about to deliberate, they give the jury the option to add in lesser included offenses. Yeah. So I'm like, what is that? They break it all down. So I'm charged with murder, yeah. but they add in, they could find me not guilty of murder but and find me of guilty of manslaughter, manslaughter or reckless manslaughter. Okay. And I'm like, this is a cop out for the jury to find you guilty of something. Right. It should have been murder or nothing. Right. And I would have been acquitted. I think if it was murder or nothing, I would have been acquitted. Do you think, or, or do you think if it was manslaughter or nothing, you would have been acquitted? Or do you think... I think with manslaughter... That, that leads to too much speculation? Because the, the manslaughter conviction carried 5 to 40. Yeah. And after my sentence, and I ended up getting 25 years. So I get acquitted of murder, yeah. acquitted of man one, and I'm like, okay, one more to go. We're good. Yeah. I'm like, not cocky, but confident. Right, right. And I'm like, I did nothing wrong. Let's go. Yeah. And then I hear guilty on reckless manslaughter. And I'm in shock, and I hear I my say, mother. How does that hit you, dude? That has to. I'm sitting there. You. I said, "Hell no, hell no!" And I hear my mother start crying behind me, and I'm like, "Oh Jesus!" So that was tough. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, it's gonna get flipped. It's gonna be like the TV, and it's gonna get flipped quick or something. Right. So I'm like, it's okay. I'm t I'm turning around, telling them like everything's okay, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so to hear the guilty, and I'm like, how could these freaking people find me guilty? Yeah. And then after my sentencing, the judge said because I showed no remorse for the victim. Um, no sympathy that he gave me 25 years. Well, 20 years and then five years for a gun. Yeah. Um, so I'm basically like, how am I supposed to show remorse? I feel sad for the kid's family, but right. I'm not going to lie and give false remorse just to get lesser time. Right. So when I got sentenced to 25, a couple of the jurors got on the news and they're like, 
we thought he was gonna get like five years. Yeah. And that's how I knew it was a cop out for the jury. Right. Because they would have been like, justice is served, he shot somebody, but when they, two of the people said, we thought he was gonna get five years, I knew that that was just, they're gonna find me guilty of the least thing, yeah. and there's closure. Um, what happened with your friend's statement? There were friends that wrote statements against <clears throat> you. What happened when I, when I got the trial? Um, they basically, they tried to recant from the beginning. The yeah. night that those statements were made, yeah. they went to the local police officer to say, we fucked up. We made false statements. Yeah. We need your help to straighten this out. And basically the major crimes was like, you can do it at trial. So when trial came, they testified to the truth yeah. that there were no guns, Ryan didn't do anything. So what they did to those guys is after my trial, they charged them with make, they wanted to hit them with perjury yeah. because they wouldn't testify against me. Okay. So, you know, Dave and Jared made three different statements. Ron and Bobby made three different statements. So why wouldn't the state star witnesses be charged? Because they made three different statements as well. Yeah. But because they testified against me and Dave and Jared didn't, they brought them up on charges. They ended up pleading guilty to making false statements. Okay. They got some time, right? They ended up doing, I think, like four months or something. Right. Yeah. So that's how it's like, man, they're really out to get us. Right, you know? right. Um, and like I don't know, I know of Jared Gilkis and just like we have mutual friends. Yeah. I, I don't know him. I've never met him, but just like hearing your story, you're talking a 16 or 17 year old kid mm-hmm. who was drunk is doing time in jail for a for a making state, a statement yeah, or not that he like, was bullied into. Right. Dude, yeah. That's crazy. Man. So and that's you know, like I don't have a grudge against police officers. I have friends and family friends that are police officers. Right. I have a grudge against the ones who did these things to these kids to did, did it to me yeah. and sit there and lie to this day yeah. of nope, nope, this and that. They tried to bribe two of my cellmates while I was incarcerated to testify against me with early parole. Really? So it was about a year and a half into my sentence, uh, a year and a half waiting for trial. Yeah. And this kid Gordo, uh, my former cellie in another block, yeah. comes banging on my door. He's like, yo, the D's is here to see me about you. I said, man, shut up, stop playing. Yeah. He said, yo, for real. He said, they're calling you next, Mike. So I said, yeah, right. So his doors locks up. They're telling him to lock up. So my door starts clicking. Click, 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 click. They're like, Richardson, legal visit. He says, I don't got no lawyer. Slams the door shut. So they're like, click, click, clicking the door again. Richardson, you better go or you're going in handcuffs. He's like, yo, Ryan, I'll be right back. So he goes, comes back like five minutes later. He's like, yo, he was right. He said, they tried to you know, give me early parole saying scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. So what they want you to say that you like confessed in jail they wanted, or something? Yeah, they wanted them to, to say that I talked about the crime. Yo, you're lucky it. that so, your people Definitely that you like you could have been in with anybody. It who happens could've... all the time. I had a cellmate of mine doing forty two years set up from a jailhouse informant. You know, and I'm like, you know, it happens all the time in Connecticut. And People, that's what they do. They might have a 60-year sentence, and they'll do what they can to chip away as jailhouse informants. Right. I mean, everywhere. I could see it being hard not to, man. If, you, if you've got no loyal, if I'm in jail with you, like, if I don't have, like, I'm not, like you were kind of saying earlier, dude, I'm, I'm never the kind to of write a statement. Yeah. Say, like, but if you're, like, some guy, dude. Is, <laughs> like, I don't know this guy. A, a I don't junkie or in for, yeah. like, fucking. It's self-preservation, how right, most people right, look at him. Right, man. And, and like. I look at people who like you and myself yeah. as better who don't write those kind of statements. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't judge somebody who did that kind of thing if I like be like, "Fuck, man, you know, you don't owe me shit." Like yeah. if it was me, like yeah. you're lucky to have people who didn't definitely. Do so, 
my whole wow. time being locked up with the most heinous murderers. That was the first time I what had What jail were you in? Uh, that, at that time, it was Corrigan. Okay. So I was in a gang block at the time. They had me affiliated as a Latin king. And I'm like, I'm really? from Plainfield. So I drew, remember the Tupac Machiavelli emblem? Yeah. It had a five-pointed crown on it with mm -hmm. a dagger. I drew that on an envelope. Yeah. Waxed it up. And they affiliated me for that. Really? So why would I, if if I was a Latin king, why would I advertise and put shiny wax on it right. and send it through the U.S. Postal Service? Right, right. But they tried to do anything that they could at that time to badmouth me. They thought they could use it in court. And I had to go through the gang block, 23-hour lockdown for about a year and three months. So I'm thinking like, damn, I'm going in there. And because I'm not down with anybody, you know, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Some of the most straight up coolest dudes, like some old school gangbanger dudes, like, but people may treat me differently than they treat somebody else. Right. So, throughout my whole 21 years, you know, I was blessed. Like, you know, there were some heinous murderers that would try to do something to somebody else or never been extorted. Yeah. Only time I was robbed is when I went to Seg and yeah. they stole all of my shit from AP room. And,. Other than that, nobody ever stole no sneakers off my feet. Took I walked around with gold chains my whole bid. Nobody ever took a chain off my neck. Yeah, you know, people respected me. So mostly because the case, they knew I was in jail for a murder I didn't do. Yeah, and it was a high-profile case, and a lot of them were like, "Man, you got screwed," and they'd follow my appeal process, hoping yeah. that they could use it for their case. Or, right, right. So people kind of looked up to me, and I was a nasty handball player. So. They looked at me like, damn, this dude, you know, <laughs> in jail, that's a Spanish sport. So yeah. when a white kid comes around busting ass on a handball court. Right, right. You know. Hey, what's up, man? This is Sean from the Shamrock Show. Obviously, you're watching the show. Got a little commercial now, but somebody's got to pay for my sushi habit. We got to shout out my man, Scott Camasar, an amazing attorney out of North Stonington, Connecticut. He practices all through Connecticut. Personal injury lawyer, wrongful death, get bit by a dog, anything like that. He wanted me to give you guys some tips in case you're ever in a car accident on what to do. The first thing you want to do is make sure that you're safe. Stop, put your flashers, your hazards on, make sure that you're, you're out of the roadway. Call the police no matter what because sometimes, you know, if you don't call the police and say, oh, we'll just deal with the insurance company, the insurance company may not pay you. They may think it's a scam if the police are not involved. So always call the cops. Um, be accurate. Don't embellish things. Don't say things that you think happened. Be very clear. If you don't know, say you don't know. Um, take pictures if there's physical damage. You know, you want to have record. You want to be able to say that this was there and show that, it, you know, that it didn't happen after you left the scene. Um, Report the incident. This is so important. I can tell you from experience. I had a Jaguar. I got rear-ended. We got out. No problems. No, you know, looked good. I told the lady, and I took off. And then I had the. Then when I went to put it in reverse, the sensors wouldn't pick pick up anymore. You have no idea how much those sensors cost to replace in a Jaguar. So, report it. Don't let it slide. Always call the cops and make sure your insurance company is notified right away. Get medical attention unless you're absolutely certain you know if your back's feeling a little tweaked it could feel awful tomorrow but if you wait that's room for lawyers to weasel their way out and say you didn't do it and most importantly protect your rights call a qualified attorney they will get you paid for your pain it's it's a world like that a lot of people think oh i don't want to be the person who sues somebody someone could sue you this is the world that we live in and make sure that your rights are protected it's your constitutional right to make sure that you have a competent attorney I highly recommend Scott Camasar. Hit him up on Facebook or hit me up. I'll get you the info to get a hold of him. Thank you. So 
when you're in jail, right? And I'm, I'm just kind of just like a, a thing. So I got a homie that's in jail right now. Yeah. And I just sent him some money, which I've had friends in the year, many friends over the years where yeah. you know I had to send them money, do it over the phone by Western Union. But now there's like this app on. Yeah. Send it right to him. Yep. What's a good amount of money to send somebody in jail? I don't know the currency in there. Like, like if I send somebody fifty dollars, is that a lot or a little? It's not much. It's fifty dollars you can spend. Because they increased it before, you could only spend fifty dollars a week. Yeah. But they increased it now. They want to capitalize and get all the money they can. So you could buy whatever in electronics. If you go buy a CD player, yeah. which people still use in jail. Yeah. Headphones. Um, Game Boy. I had a 3DS XL in there. That was four hundred dollars. Oh really? For a 3DS XL. Yeah. Went on the street. It might be ninety dollars. Right, right, right. So everything's marked up. You buy How do you get that job, man? I'm gonna get to own the store in jail, <laughs> bro. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can make DS for four hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's like commissary every week. They get it from Niantic. Yeah. And but inmates run stores too. I had a store for a while, but it did so well, I had to stop because it got too hot. Yeah. So cops would raid my cell. Late night. So tell me about tell me about, so I know I cut you off because we were at 2010. You were going with something, but tell me uh, this is really interesting. Tell me about your store. How did how did that work? Just one, you know, chips, candy bars, quick things like, like that. Like stuff when you would get because you had commissary money. And other yeah, people so did. I had money, and then people and when I was in the industry block, which was, you know, because like I had a boy who ran like a, a book. Yeah, like you in, can. In, in yeah, jail you got too. bookies. You got I mean anything and everything. Yeah. So, but like a store, you might be. Two for three. If they get two things from you, they got to give you three back. Or a bag of coffee, they get. They got to give you a coffee and then half the value. Yeah. You know. So. So it's like for people who don't have money, but they have some stuff that you might want. Yeah. So they can't buy from commissary. But, yeah. So. But they, they might. They might. They might. Next week. Right. But they might have <laughs> some snacks, and you've got some car or whatever, dude. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yep. So I mean, it's good. It can do well, or dudes can get jealous of you and rat you out, and then you get all your shit taken. Right. So. But I was like, I don't need the headache. So I made a lot of money, yeah. and I said I make money. I was an industry worker for 11 years, a painter, a welder, all, um, all inside, all inside up in McDougal. So and, and they and and you get skills like that, yeah. Oh yeah, I soaked it up. Like they paid me. I looked at it like they were paying me to go to trade school. Right. So I already knew how to weld, but I honed my welding skills. Take welding, worked in the paint booth. So did everything from furniture to stuff for jails. Um, Car cages for cop cars, the transfer vans, National Guard lockers. Like, we'd do everything. Really? So it was, it was, I got addicted. I'd make for jail 550 bucks a month. Yeah. So, cause I was making a dollar 50 an hour, but with overtime, I'd make two and a quarter. Yeah. So I got addicted to it. I'd work from 6 a.m., sometimes till 8 p.m., seven days a week. Yeah. And I'd wear a respirator painting for like four hours straight. Didn't matter. It'd be 110 degrees in there. I'd love it. Yeah. And I, I just got addicted to the money. That's wild, man. Yeah. Now, something you told me before when we first sat down or talking was that you were able to smoke weed in prison. Yeah. I used to smoke probably for probably for like the first 10 years until I didn't want to risk losing my legal team. Yeah. And I said, enough is enough. It's not risk. It's not worth getting a dirty urine and two years non-contact visits. And so they test your urine while you're in jail. You can get a drug test anytime. Yeah, usually they'll call you down once a month or whatever. So how does weed get into jail through COs? Just or? all different ways, you know. Yeah. Cor there's corruption at every level and just Dude, I couldn't be a know. CO I'd be the, my, my brother's a CEO so my brother is like the opposite yeah. human being of me such yeah, a good straight by such that. a good yeah. dude like and I he's, he's 10 years younger than me and I always knew he could go one of I've had this conversation with him like yeah. you could have learned from like yeah. all the crazy stuff I did or have been like and he's dude he's so much of a better person than yeah. I am but dude I would be the worst slash best CEO yeah ever, nah cause <laughs> no matter what Everything has its run, and then right, people are right. going to tell on you yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So you got to look at it like, is this person trying to set me up? Right. So dudes used to try to give me weed all the time, but I'm like, damn, 
did this guy just get a dirty urine? Now he's trying to get me. Right. So there was one dude I dealt with for years. Yeah. And every Friday I'd go get a pillow of weed from him, slide yeah. him $20 in envelopes. Yeah. And it was that. And I'd smoke for the longest with so nobody so, even knowing. So how would you, how could you smoke without people noticing smoke being there? I do one hitters. So I would just pack a, make a little one hitter bowl. Yeah. Take pencil leads, light up a Q-tip with yeah. a drop of oil on it, smash it, hold it in for like two minutes. <laughs> and then I'd blow whatever could because yeah. you got metal toilets that basically suck everything out. So you flush it, but you hold it in so long, nothing comes out. Incredible. And then you put oil on the vent. And I've had my celly come in 30 seconds after I was done yeah. and not even know I smoked. Really? And then it got to the point where I said, I'm not going to risk losing my visits, my legal team, right, right, right. everything. So I said, enough is enough. Time to grow up. That's a hard choice to make when you're in a yeah. situation like it's that. It's stressful, and you're like, man, this, I just want to relax. Right, and, right. But then you're like, damn, now I just smoked. I got to stay on my water. Yeah. You got to drink a ton of water. Yeah. Because if they give you a urine, so you're like, it defeats the purpose because you're not relaxed because you're thinking right, you're right, right. a yeah, piss yeah. test at any time. That's why, dude, and, and we can go one way. Like, I don't smoke weed just because all oh, it does make me paranoid. I, yeah. I can't. I'm just I can't laid imagine. back. See, I can't do it. Yeah. I just, it makes me paranoid. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I just can't do it. Man. Yeah. I, just I throw on the music, zone out. I had a boom box up in McDougal. You know, and I just throw on a music zone out, some old park or some whatever. Where's McDougal at? Uh, Suffield, Connecticut. So okay. it's a maximum security. You got Cheshire and McDougal are the two big prisons. Okay. So it's, you know, it was a good place to do time. They had softball fields for a while, um, basketball, intramurals, like soccer. Like, yeah. it was awesome. Didn't you said a lot of people recognized you from the publicity yeah. of your case, Scott? Yeah. Is that, does that work in, in your favor for the most part? Oh, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, there's some jealousy sometimes because yeah. people be like, damn, this dude gets a lot of play right, right. legally or whatever. But for the most part, everybody's real supportive, you know, like really. There's a lot of good dudes that just did a lot of stupid things. Right. I mean, that's what I think most people in I mean, you, you know, did something crazy that yeah. they – shouldn't have done one time yep. and, you know or yep. just a lot of little things that oh, kind of yeah. add up and, and, yep. and this I don't know about this country probably this country but definitely the state is into locking people up oh yeah man. I mean like yep. you know he had, like you said you met Robbie and he was in there for some ridiculous yeah, it's like something real ridiculous. dumb you know? I, I won't get it but it was just yep. so stupid man but um so then 2010. 2010. Going through my appeal in Knoxville. That was 10 years ago. Which yeah. Was crazy it feels like it just happened. Yeah. So Dateline was involved. They wanted to hear about the Oh, yeah, the you were on, on Dateline, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, man, this is going to get it out there. And there's no way to courts with the publicity of NBC yeah. and everything like that. I said, there's no way they can dispute this. Yeah. And this was one of my issues was we found out that the prosecutor ended up marrying one of the jurors for my case. So, and, hold on. So you got a dead eyewitness. Dead eyewitness. A suicided lawyer. Su yep. And a, and a prosecutor that married a judge. And the prosecutor. I mean, I can't be, excuse me, that married a juror. That married a juror from my case. And we had heard about it through the grapevine, and then we thought it was bullshit. Yeah. And then somebody leaked an internal investigation of one of my attorneys, and lo and behold, he married her. Dude, this is like a move. It's this is like, crazy. Dude. So since you've been home, have you seen the, the the series on? Do you know what Netflix is? Yeah. So I watched Netflix all of Making of a Murder. Yeah, that's I where I was no, going. I haven't seen it yet. Dude, that, I think that's what we're gonna call this episode. Is everyone's like, "Yo, you your shit's have, way crazier like, than his." Dude, quit your job. Watch Making <laughs> yeah. a Murder. Like it's <laughs> binge it. It's incredible. But yeah. okay. So, yeah. So you're going for that second appeal, 2010. So 2010. Cheers, man. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, bro. Here. Anytime. Man. Sorry I that you can't partake in the good stuff. Nah, that's okay, man. It's I'm free. That's all that matters, man. It's beautiful. So 2010, I'm going through, it's almost like my last appeal. Yeah. So 
I'm like, okay, this is it. Dateline's involved. They came to Rockville. They filmed a few days, uh, and everything was going awesome. We put the prosecutor up there. Uh, of course, he lied because he's a snake and a weasel. Yeah. And uh, his wife got up there and said it, you know, and a couple other. Was she people, at least hot? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, do better. So I don't know what she saw in him. Mm. You know, she was in a relationship at the time of my trial. So come to find out, she called her friend from high school mm-hmm. who's uh, uh, this guy, her brother, worked for the state of Connecticut. He was yeah. their uh, investigator. Yeah. So this woman hadn't had contact from this friend in over 20-something years since high school. Yeah. So she's wondering, like, why is she calling me out the blue? Yeah. And come to find out, it was to try and hook up with this prosecutor saying, hey, can you talk to your brother so that you can so put me on with this prosecutor. So, so this this woman with a boyfriend. With a boyfriend at the is, time. Is sitting in court watching a prosecutor try to fry this teenager yeah. and thinking, I want to hit and that. she's turned on. <laughs> so, Dude, what a sicko, That's man. why we didn't think anything of it at the time. We're like, there's no way. This sounds like some Jerry Springer stuff. Yeah. And then come to find out it's the truth. And even the lady who was in between, the old friend saying, I didn't feel comfortable with this. Yeah. And finally I said... I don't know how you got my number. I have an unlisted number, but I don't want to be involved in this anymore because she felt uncomfortable and that it was wrong. Yeah. Which, you know, you're in a relationship just after my conviction and you're trying to seek this prosecutor. And she said to try and talk to him about getting her son out of a speeding ticket, which, come on, that's BS. Right, right. So, but whatever, they're married. I don't know if they're happily married to this day, yeah. but... um. Until she gets another call to jury yeah, duty. Yeah, until she goes to jury duty. <laughs> she sees another prosecutor. Another prosecutor, exactly. <laughs> so, but, um, so during that, I'm thinking, okay, well, that was one of my issues there. Uh, the forensic expert who testified against me in 2000 at my trial came back to testify saying that I cannot say these particles are, are gunshot residue. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, the judge is going to say this same guy who testified against him. Right. Because back to the gunshot residue, the morphology of things are, you know, gunshot residue, if you look at it under a microscope, it's going to be starry, spattery, you know, like a crazy looking explosion of particles. Okay. The particles on my jacket were round, spherical, with no hint of looking like gunshot residue. Okay. So they said the morphology of it is completely different than gunshot residue. So I'm thinking, okay. Is that something they would have known at that time or is it the progression of science? I think they knew at the time, Okay, but they still wanted to paint that picture. Like right. that was the only thing to try to say that there was a weapon in my presence. Cause they never found they a gun. They never right? found a gun. They never found a gun. And now they said that they never found a weapon because Dave and Jared hid a weapon for me. So my whole thing was Dave and Jared made statements against me. Right. That's exactly where my, if they hid a weapon. Why wouldn't they say, and the here's state. the weapon that Ryan used. Right. Obviously we never had a weapon. Right. Obviously those statements they made were false. And they still have don't have a gun to this day. Did they say anything in their statements at all about where the gun was? No. The cop. That's no. That's crazy because that would be like that should be if, if I'm a detective. If, if I'm a detective, where is a, this gun? A one is yeah. you're telling me that Suave here killed somebody. I say, yeah. oh cool, where's the gun? Yep. And you're gonna say I throw I saw him throw it in the sewer or wherever. whatever. Yeah. Right. Never found a weapon. I, I saw something. I don't know how old the news article was where they found a gun in a in a river somewhere. And there's they, two weapons found. There's two. I yeah. saw one that they throw up, but I never found yeah. what the outcome of that yeah. was. They don't want to test them. They got a conviction. Yeah. They don't want to test them because it might come back and bite them in their ass. You know. So. Gotcha. gotcha. Everything is on me now to prove my innocence. Right. You know. And 
I got an incredible legal team who's just been, they've been by, behind me for almost a decade now. So my investigator who had been with me since, you know, probably mid 2000s, yeah. ended up dying. He fell down the stairs watching Boston playoff game. And that was like heartbreaking. I've cried two times my whole bit, not like yeah. crying, crying, but when Gavin died, I yeah. had tears going down. And when my investigator passed away, that was, you know, yeah. so that was like the two, I've yeah, lost my grandmothers, you know, I've lost uncles, friends, yeah. never teared up. But when my investigator passed away, that was like a blow. Yeah. So just a great guy, family guy. And that was like my, when I fell down sometimes, he'd be like, man, come on, get in the freaking batter's box and swing and freaking hit this thing over the fence. Let's go. Yeah. So he was always there for me. So that was a big blow. But, um, and we we're this close. Everything was going so good. And that happened and kind of set me back a little bit. Yeah. And a couple other setbacks, but there's a lot of great things going on. I can't get into it, right. but, um, but but you are I'm active, actively oh, yeah. right yeah. now looking to overturn that. Definitely. With, I, with um, the Connecticut Innocence, Innocence Project. Project, correct. Yeah. So IEOS. And they, and they just got somebody's thing overturned, didn't they? Some relatively they flipped the kid, Sean. Yeah. They helped get his case overturned, Sean Hennon and Ricky Oh, Burch. yeah, okay, so you mentioned that earlier. I yeah. didn't realize it yet, but I had, I had read that. But it was, you know, you said 30 years. They, they have 30 and 31, but they yeah. flipped other cases. In the past 10 years... 12 years there's probably about eight or ten guys that have had cases flipped so tell me about connecticut innocence project how does that work um funded by the state and it's, donations. it's funded by the state yeah. and donate okay so um and usually they don't take your case unless you have dna and they happen to take my case because they're so passionate about it to say look at the facts here this yeah. this is wrong you know yeah so they've been incredible and they've you know, my family loves them. I love them. They're just awesome. Speaking of your family, so your sister Amy, who's a friend of mine, who yep. kind of set this whole thing in motion. Yeah. I also saw. So she went on some reality, some show, um, talk show. Oh, back in the day, she went on Montel. Montel, and there was a psychic, <laughs> Sylvia Brown. Yeah, who like yeah. was said all some kind of bullshit. Yeah, right? she was as phony as Miss Cleo. Yeah, there was so. a, a psychic <laughs> that said, got involved in this. Was on the Montel Williams show, yep. right? And she said, Ryan, nope, Ryan will be cleared because she had a raspy smoker's voice. And she said, nope, nope, two years and two months, he'll be out of here. He'll be cleared. And Is she still alive, dude? Can no, she passed away yeah. like four years ago, I think. So, dude, psychics, crooked prosecutors, yeah. dead, dead lawyers, dead fucking yeah. witnesses, recanted statements. Like, dude, it's this crazy. is absolutely wild. And that's man. still like not everything. There's so much. There's so much that goes on that even I forget sometimes, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, that's right, this or that. But yeah. you know, um, it's so, just crazy, man. So, um, how has actually at first? Have you heard any? Have you ever had any contact with the family of the kid? Have no, I was always told them? not to reach out to them. Yeah. And uh, the last contact I had with them was at my parole hearing on January twenty sixth. Was yeah. when I was off for parole of this of last year of last year two thousand nineteen. Yeah. yeah, never in a million years thought I'm getting parole. Yeah, so I told my family, listen, let everybody know because I had twenty seven people come on my behalf. Okay, so usually there's like three people out there. Yeah. I had twenty seven. I could have had about a hundred. You know, if I wanted, but they said no, don't have too many. Right. But um, so go off for parole, and one of the guys is an ex New Haven police officer of 35 years. Mm -hmm. One of the guys is like a um politician, and the other guy was um as a three board panel. So you need two of the three votes to get parole. Okay. So I go up there. I'm prepared. I was prepared for this months in advance. Like, I'm like I'm ready to go. So, um, go off for parole. 
I read my opening statement and everything, and uh, I knew certain things that they were going to hammer me with, so I addressed it right into my opening statement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, told the victim's family that I'm sorry for what you're going through, but I can't apologize to you because I had nothing to do with Rob's death. And, yeah. uh, you know, basically told them all that. So the parole board, I'm thinking I'm going to get, like, the one politician's vote. So after, you know, they asked a bunch of questions, um, brought up my DR history. I hadn't had a ticket since 1998. So, you know, that's pretty damn good. Is um, that, so DR, is that like, like... It's like in, inferrals in, inter, of... Internal. Uh, yeah, 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 it's like getting arrested in jail, right, right. you know? So uh, they, they said, yeah, you got a pretty good track record. You've worked, um, you stay clean, you've done this program. I've, I've spoken to Killingly High School kids on a couple occasions. Um, and just try to mind my business and fight my case yeah. and clear my name. So, you know, they brought up a couple things and tried to get me to badmouth the cops and everything. And I said, no, nah, I was a fool. If I hadn't have been arrested for one thing, the domino effect of everything else after the fact would have never happened. So it initially, it's all my fault for doing 21 years. Because for being a drunk asshole be, in a party. like being an every, idiot. Every one of us has ever been. Yeah, yeah. but it, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter whether it's something small or serious like that that one event and one stupid choice butterfly effect bro. can yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. so i try to analyze everything now from every angle i don't drink i don't smoke weed i don't do anything to jeopardize going back to prison yeah treat people with respect and you know i had a lot of growing up to do you know and i explained that to them that i was an 18 year old punk kid and you know made a lot of stupid choices but i'm not a murderer right and if i was in any way guilty of this crime i would have accepted responsibility and not put my family through this their family through this and the community it was torn apart so if the answer to this question is yes i would never ask you to to name it but like through street shit and just people have you ever heard of who may have actually done this if it wasn't you yeah i've heard a few different I've things, heard a few but different it'd be just as bad as me for to speculate on somebody else yeah, yeah name. no no and i'm um, I might I might ask you more off camera because I'm just in, yeah. I'm just I'm just interested and in I would never but yeah. but I just wondered like so if it wasn't you yeah. who who there's there's somebody out there yeah the state who, police who, should who, probably look at some of their snitches and uh, informants and yeah I think they helped a murderer get away with murder yeah so but um so 21 years in right 21 years a whole lifetime of a human being who can now legally drink in 1998 you walk out the door what's that like yeah to not walk out of a jail with with no cuffs on, street yeah. clothes that I hadn't worn street clothes in 21 years was like, I said, man, I told, I said, my sister got me some tight ass pants, you know? <laughs> I came into jail, I was a 30 inch waist wearing 38 pants. Right, right. And now I'm a 32 inch waist yeah. wearing 32 inch pants. Yes, and yeah. it's like, man, they feel like nut huggers, you know? <laughs> but it felt incredible. And everyone yeah. kept coming by, like all the COs and different people, like, yo, Rye, oh man, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. So, after parole, they kicked me out, and I'm thinking I'm going to parole on January 19th, uh, July 19th. They come and tell me, like, a week later, you're going to a halfway house on March 1st. So that in itself was, like, everything was just happening so quick. It was incredible. Yeah. That's cool, man. But there was no nerves. Like, I prepared myself for this moment for 21 years. Yeah. And there wasn't any nervousness of... Oh, man, I, I'm not going to get a job. Oh, it's going to be hard to get my life in order. I, I knew 
that I would get my life in order ASAP. And, and you have fallen, we were talking off camera, but yeah. you have fallen into, or I don't want to say fallen into, because that almost sounds disrespectful, but like you have ended up on your feet. You've yeah. got a good oh, yeah. job and you went in for the interview and ended up bullshitting with the I got a better with job with the, with the president and, and the yeah, vice president, yeah. a better job than I went in to apply for. Like, and they knew my story because I told them straight up yeah. of, they're like, why did you move from Grot? And I said, well, I was currently, you know, I was at a halfway house at that time. And now I'm currently living in Plainfield. Yeah. And basically broken down to them. And I've always been an open book. I've told people, Google me. Yeah. Ask me a question. I got nothing to hide, man. Yeah. You know? And they're like, we're prepared to start you with this benefits. And I'm like, great. That's awesome. And I, what was like the first thing you like had to do when you got out of jail? Like the first thing you wanted to do? Well, I was at the halfway house. So to eat real food, like... My boy Mel, he did 28 years. Yeah. So he hooked up with my sister the day I got out and yeah. flew up to see me. And he's like, yo, Rye, what do you want? I'm going to go get you five guys. I'm going to get right, you this, right. that. And I'm like, dude, whatever, you know? Yeah. But just to be able to hug my family and everything and not be across from a visiting room table yeah. and to have an hour visit saying, okay, time's up, they would let me chill with my family in there for like two hours. They'd bring up pizza from New York Pizza, like... It was just cool to sit around and break bread with them. Yeah. And that was, like, the best feeling ever. That's awesome, you know? man. That's so really. That was, like, you can't explain, like, you know, people take for granted everything like that. Yeah. And, I mean, we all can get caught up in a moment. And I try not to play on my phone too much. I don't live on Facebook. I don't yeah. live through social media. I'll put a few not things. Yet. Yeah, I not put a few yet. things here and the there. The world will ruin you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> My main focus still is just working my butt off, yeah. helping my family. Like, they've been there for me since day one. So, talking about your phone and Facebook, right? So, I went back to 1998. I think I got my first cell phone in 2001. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like dude, you, you've been in a almost a time capsule, yeah. except you've had contact with the outside world, but like... Dude, how different is the, are the towns and the, the just the, the world? Roads you are different. The world you come out to, man. Yeah. Like, like you said, your, your parents had a video they store. Had a video store. I worked at a blockbuster. I still yeah. remember being. I don't know if it was sixteen or eighteen when you're old enough to get your first video account. Act One Video in Jersey yeah. City was a big deal. And Video Go Galaxy, get Nintendo games, yeah, and whatever, like, 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 and that doesn't even exist anymore. You know, nah. I, I mean, I would say every aspect of, of life is probably everything very changed, very different for you but yeah? everything felt the same it's weird like the only thing driving up to my neighborhood because i got furloughs from the halfway house yeah so after uh i had to work i think a total of 30 hours a week i had two jobs my first week home yeah so i was killing it. i was making 70 something hours a week yeah and so i was able to get my furlough so i made sure i didn't work on wednesdays that way i can go home every wednesday mm -hmm. and just driving up it's crazy because, you know, I remember I have this image in my head of how the neighborhood was. Yeah. And these trees were 10 feet tall when I went to jail. They were 50 feet tall now. <laughs> and I'm like, man, it looks crazy. Right, right. You know, but the town looked a little different, but it still felt like home. And I didn't have my license yet, but I still jumped on a, I jumped in a car, took a ride, um, yeah. uh, jumped on a dirt bike, jumped on my nephew's street bike. He had a little R6, so I ripped around on that. And it was like I didn't skip a beat, man. That's awesome, Everything man. was just natural. Like, what do, um, what do you think of social media? Like, how much did you hear about social media in jail? Did you know, like, yeah, Facebook? Like, you, you know it's a yeah, thing. Like, yeah. like, have you ever seen it, like, on a guard's phone or anything like that? Did you um, know? Like what it was. I knew what it was and everything. And just, you know, Instagram, social media. Because it's been like, for someone who's been out, it's been a slow build on how this thing, yeah. like this this monster that ruins everyone, that oh, yeah. controls everyone's life, as social media has grown. Everyone's got their heads but, down. But like to, to come from zero to a hundred, yeah. like 
it's got you kind of look at everybody like what the fuck are you assholes doing yeah. the world is here there's sunshine well, like it was sad like the first time i worked for a guy um it was a day labor from the halfway house yeah. so and after we did the job moving all this furniture to uh down in norwich mm-hmm. we go into mcdonald's he said i'm gonna treat you guys at mcdonald's here's your pay blah 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 so we go into mcdonald's there's a little kid standing there on the bench you know yeah. while his aunt, his mother and i think his aunt were eating yeah they're not even paying attention to this kid yeah and they're just got their heads buried in their phone i was like that's sad yeah like that made me sad man you know yeah but, I, no i can imagine like coming from a time capsule yeah not seeing the, the evolution of this and from also not having the, the free like to to not appreciate it's a lot of power you, to have you, in your fingers you appreciate though yeah. just the everyday more than people who yeah. haven't lost that time but yeah i mean it's it's so crazy like yep. so i try this, to keep grounded and not get caught up in the damn it but man if if there had been uh, cell phones at the time oh yeah i'd be just like everybody else you, but yeah but but maybe your whole life would have uh yeah butterfly effect bro you know what i mean maybe yeah. somebody oh, yeah. you would have been like had a selfie with someone at the time stamp yeah. with some of the kids no they had me out, actually you know? they had me on the camera at the convenience store at the gas station pissing on the dumpster but they said the timestamp was wrong because it worked in my benefit. So that was one of the other things of where Twig was at at the gas station. Right, right. They're saying, no, the timestamp's wrong. To show that there's no way you could have shot somebody, drove to Plainfield, right. dropped them off, and came back at that time. So, but I know what you're saying with the phone of, oh, there's selfies here. It's right, dude, like, like fucking yeah. the, the time and yeah, like, or yep. whatever, man. Things could be different, man. Wow, that's really crazy, man. And, yeah. and I can't imagine being the person who did that, not only having to go to, if, you know, to go to bed knowing that you, you, you know, that you, you, you killed somebody, somebody and you killed somebody, but you put you all, you, you ruined yep. two lives going to bed like that every night. I'm sure over time, yeah, you know, like any bad thing someone does, it fades. But yeah. man, hopefully they watch this and they feel a little bit worse yeah. about themselves. They never, yep. no one's ever going to confess to I, it. But my main thing is, I want Rob's family to know that, that I you had didn't do nothing it. to right, do with right, this, right. you know. And I think in their hearts they know it. But how can you say that we believed this for 21 years? Yeah. And now you're going to tell us that this guy didn't do this crime. You know, they've been brainwashed to think that I was this career criminal right. and this horrible person. Well, I would and imagine, but not only that, but like if you didn't do it, then that loses some closure that they probably it opens have. up like, the wound like, all like, over Like again. unless you have like someone else to, yeah. to replace you with, like yeah. like Indiana Jones taking the oh, stone. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the, how emotionally it probably wouldn't even be beneficial it's to believe that you yeah. didn't do it if there's not a person to say yeah. that this person Okay, if you didn't, then who did? Right, And right. I think in their hearts they know that something's not right. Yeah. But how can you admit that, you know? Right, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, just to, as a parent, to get your own sleep at night. Yeah. You know I mean? I, I have a, a 12-year-old stepdaughter, you know, and I can't even imagine something like that. But you, you have to make those kind of mental yeah. concessions, I, I think, man. Um, I hope that this thing with the Innocence Project yeah. works out. It's gonna. I I already know. Um, Everything's what, awesome. Do you know like the links? Like if someone wants to donate to the Innocent Project, is there let's just like look up Innocence Project on Facebook? Is that the best way to, to, to Honestly, do that? Yeah, I don't even know. This guy's um, like, what's Facebook again? Yeah. Nah. I don't even know. Um, I think they do probably have a page well, because every state's different. Yeah, so but I, I know you said that they do work off of donations. Donations right. and federal so, grants. And, so, dude, if you are watching this, dude, and you're sitting home with, like, a cool mill in your pocket and you yeah, want to do something good, Definitely, man, definitely. Go, uh, I think a lot of people that have had their cases flipped, Yeah. and there's guys that are getting $6.8 million settlements, I think that they do give back. And Now, to get a settlement, though, you have to – that's a whole other thing. You'd have to prove – not that you were innocent, but that the state 
maliciously right yeah, right it's not so. just like you can lose like an innocent person can lose a case but that's not yeah. enough to sue like you have to show the, yeah that they they hid evidence or they they, did or they try to bribe jailhouse <laughs> rats, yeah. or lied about gunshot residue dude, or <laughs> watch making a murderer yeah dude. i'm gonna like, check you, it you out have to, you, you absolutely yeah. have to dude yeah. you absolutely have to it's a, the second season sucks i think but like oh yeah they, they made a second season but dude, they just, focus more on the nephew or something for the second yeah one, but right? this, so. the, the the documentary is is crazy dude and it'll probably give you like vietnam flashbacks yeah. but nah, like, it's weird because everyone's like i know you're so balanced dude. yeah people are like man don't you get nervous with cops behind you i'm like no nah, i'm not doing nothing wrong right and like right. i said i don't hold a grudge against police officers or yeah. i'd be a fool if i did i'm not uh you know i'm like the most easy laid back dude mm-hmm. you know i can get pissed off too you know yeah. but at the same time if you're not doing nothing to me you know if a cop pulls me over yes sir License and registration. Here you go, sir. Yeah. Do you have any weapons on? No, sir. Have you? I forgot what his name was. But have you like run into the kid who threw the party or anybody from that night? No. Dude? Have you seen um, anybody from that night at all? Or what about your friends that were in the car? Have, no, my friend? boy Rob. I work with him. Oh really? Yep. I work with him. He got me my job. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dave and Jared, I haven't seen them yet. But like I said, I wish them guys the best. I don't hold a grudge against anybody. I don't hold a grudge against Ron, Bobby. Bobby's dead now. I don't hold a grudge against his family. Yeah. You know, there are some little things back and forth. But I'm like, listen, dude. Yeah, you're you know, home now. I'm not, I'm not a 14-year-old kid or 18-year-old kid. Like, I don't hold a grudge against for what their brother did to me. So, like, one of his brothers would run his mouth in jail. And I'm like, whatever. When I see him, I see him. Right, you right. Know? But, um, Do you, uh, would you... If anyone else finds finds themselves in a position like yours, similar, mm-hmm. whether it's murder or whatever, like what would you recommend to them to to do, man, just to shut the Listen, fuck up? Say you want an attorney, you know, and nip all of it in the bud. They try to make you feel like you're guilty yeah. if you request an attorney. And granted, I didn't make any false statements. I made one statement, stuck to the truth of nobody had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. My downfall was being so argumentative with the police. Yeah. I should have just shut up, said, I want a lawyer. But then I look at it like, well, then they wouldn't have swabbed my hands for gunshot residue. You know, then certain things wouldn't transpire to show that I didn't do anything because they would have right. said, well, you had time to clear that evidence. So things went the way they went for a reason. Yeah. I was meant to spend 21 years in prison for nothing for a reason. Maybe Oof. it saved my life. I was going to be in the Marines. I could have no limbs right now. I could be dead. I could have PTSD. Bro, I can't so, I can't even wrap my head around your positivity right now. It's there's always I, a reason for everything, man, you know? Hey man, I hope I hope that you're right, man. I I, I love that your outlook, bro. It's, it's, it's super him, it's refreshing and yeah. it's inspirational just to be spend this hour that I've spent with you just I appreciate it, man. You know, like not have ever met you until, you today. know, yeah. today yeah. and like I didn't really know how this was going to go. I've been really excited to do it yeah. just because you're like, been someone who I followed. Like, man, I remember this when I was a kid. Yeah, you know? yeah. But yeah. I always wondered because I, I didn't know all the details, but I knew like some crazy stuff had happened. But, yeah. you know, to sit here and hear it all. There's so told, much. It's it's like, I, you it, should. People get confused. You because, should do a book at some yeah. point, man. You really should. Once it's, all, once it's all said and done, man. Yeah, there's definitely, it's going to be put on paper. Yeah. You know? you, you, um, But there's just so much. It's hard for people to, because then, even telling people sometimes like wait 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 so go back to right and i'm like okay but to me it's like okay yeah this 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 because i lived it but yeah. to somebody trying to so what do you mean the prosecutor and the juror what do you mean your lawyer yeah they can't comprehend it because there's just so many crazy things that have happened well, it's i have to imagine the science is significantly better than it definitely was. is yeah and i hope that they do have the evidence locked up still and that they can they, that jacket yeah. 
you know, if, if what you're saying, yeah. you know, makes sense, because obviously I don't know about science. But yep. the, I'm basically the a forensic expert right, now right, from all the trials. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like yeah. if the, the uh, consistency of, yeah. of the debris or whatever, like yeah. that sounds like the the missing glove from OJ yeah. almost, you know what yep. I mean? That seems pretty compelling. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, uh, I think this is one of the coolest podcasts i've had and i appreciate, I appreciate you it. starting the year off yeah, man dude, and, and, and i appreciate I think, you having me here no man and, and i awesome. hope i hope that a lot of things can come from this man because i hope that people can hear this and and get to know the story for people who might have think that you did it or yeah. people who didn't really know about it yeah. or people who did support you who don't know all the facts yeah. or, or whatever or someone who might end up in a bad situation one yeah. day and kind like, of see Hey man, you know this dude just did twenty. Like I know people that have done three years, a year, yeah. and come out just fuck the world and yeah. their their whole Angry life and bitter. Right, and it's right. like damn dude, dude, this dude just did a twenty-one year bid. <laughs> yeah, came out and is smiling, man. Yeah. Like dude, life is beautiful, man. Yeah. I went on a motorcycle in January the other day. <laughs> like I went out, took the Harley out on Saturday. Yeah, riding around, riding through Jewish City, through Plainfield. I'm like, you can't beat this, man. Yeah. You know, like I jump in my car anytime I want. You know. I go bump music. I go work out, plan a fitness or home. Yeah. I do whatever I want, man. Freedom's beautiful. People take it for granted. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. You got anybody you want to shout out or anything you want to draw? Any, anything you want to draw? Just to do? everybody, man. There's been people all over the world, not even this country. There's been people from Sweden, Canada, like people all over the, all over the globe, man. Um, everybody, this community has been incredible. Since yeah. I've been home, I'll be in Target, Walmart, and people be like, yo, Ryan, welcome home. I'm like, who are you? They're like, you don't know me. Yeah. I just know of your case. So the feedback's been incredible. Whether I'm out to dinner, I'll be in the casino, the Crystal Mall, yeah. and people come up like, yo, Ryan, give me a hug, man. So it's just... It's been incredible. Without, oh, what do you think of the casinos, man? That's oh, the, when I went in, they were small. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't even old enough to gamble. Right, I'd go right. on power rides up there. Yeah, and, and the Fox was a, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, I've done quite well there for a few occasions. Good, good for you. But I, I, I'm like, that's You got to find some luck somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, but I mean, just everybody's been incredible. This community, you know, people can badmouth Eastern Connecticut. This place is the best, man. That's people cool. are awesome. They come together when it counts and, you know. It's incredible. So thank you, everybody. Uh, that's dope, man. I, I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, I really do. Um, I would recommend you go check out that Innocence Project. Yeah. I might have even, correct me if I'm wrong, seen a GoFundMe somewhere online, too. Just, uh, you know, if, if you've seen the story and you're moved by it, man, go yeah, check that out. My sister's been incredible. Go, go, she see, just... go see what you can do to help out, man. And, uh, you know, if this is your first time watching the show because of Ryan, you know, if you could click that like button, that share button, subscribe. I'm always trying to bring content just the most interesting people out there. There's no, uh, it's not always a, a, a true crime. It's not always uh, sports. It's, it's whatever, just uh, local, Any hot amazing, amazing whatever, stories yeah. like, you like yours, man. And just trying to bring people good content. So if you could hit that like and subscribe button. Again, shout out to Proper 12 and, and my friend uh, Scott Camasar, great lawyer for uh, personal injury all that kind of stuff he'll get you paid <laughs> awesome we'll make sure he gets involved in the book deal all right man appreciate you coming through yeah, dude. thank you man awesome Thanks, man. It's great, great to meet you you too brother all right, thank man. you later